Welcome in, everybody. Thanks for listening to FarmCast for the Community, sponsored by the University of Georgia's College of Pharmacy. As always, my name is Dr. Tim Brown. I'm going to be your host for the next uh, 40 minutes to an hour as we talk about our upcoming topic for this month, which I'll get to in just a moment. But I want to remind you that in December, I'm actually going to have on someone that works in infectious disease talking about HIV prevention with medications that are now more abundant than ever to stop the transmission of HIV. We're going to talk about access, how they work, and what are your options? And more importantly, who should be thinking about this? And that might surprise a lot of you to realize this isn't just for gay people. It's for a lot of people who are having sex. So we're going to talk about how to get access to those medications and decrease the chance of transmission of HIV. Now, before we get to that, today's talk, however, is on accessing a drug called naloxone. For those who aren't aware, naloxone is a drug that's used to reverse narcotics or opioids or things like heroin. And it's become a huge deal in terms of the last decade where we've seen a number of people overdosing. It is pervasive. Every culture, every age group, every tax bracket, it is everything. The problem is, how do you save people who take too much? Well, many states didn't know how to do that. In 2014, Robin Elliott and Lori Fugit got together with a group of people and really went to work with the legislature to realize that you guys in Georgia need to wake up. And wake up, they did. Ladies, welcome in. I know you had a large part in getting legislation passed, and the Georgia Overdose Prevention Act went into effect. I also know this is near and dear to your heart, and you reach out to a lot of people across Georgia over the last, gosh, has it been eight years since you started doing this? Yeah. Wow. I, I think one of the things I want our community to hear about today is, number one, what you guys have accomplished, because it's incredible the way you've made us in Georgia sort of stand up and take notice that this issue continues to be uh, pervasive throughout all of our lives. And then secondly, how we can help to manage folks in our world and ourselves if we're at risk for taking too much opioids. And we're going to talk about opioids and what that means in a minute, guys. But right just quickly as a pharmacist, I want to break it down and say opioids can be legal and illegal. So Legal opioids are like Percocet, Oxycontin, Vicodin, uh, even Tylenol number three can be a narcotic or is a narcotic. And then, of course, we talk about heroin and fentanyl and those kinds of things that are on the street that we're seeing more and more of. And naloxone reverses all of that. So, Lori and Robin, I'd like you to sort of tell a little bit about yourselves, if you don't mind, and let you do your introduction. I'll start with Lori, if you don't mind. Um, hi, I'm uh, Laurie Fugit. I live in Marietta, Georgia. I'm a nurse and a mom and a wife um, and a Georgia Bulldog, class of 81. Go dogs. Um, but um, I got involved in this because um, people around me, their children were overdosing. Um, and I just I just wanted to help. Um and so now um, we have this uh, volunteer organization. We um, provide naloxone across the state of Georgia. And I sort of um, help in the procurement of the naloxone, getting the kits put together, training distributors who cover the state, who meet up with people who need naloxone and provide it. So that's sort of my role in this organization. I'm sort of the the Narcan lady, I guess. Um, <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about that in a second. Hey, Robin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, my name is Robin Elliott. I am a realtor. I have an MBA in finance. And um, my son, Zach, uh, died on May 1st, 2011 of a heroin overdose. 
And as a result of that, I got involved in trying to get a law passed in Georgia and in Georgia overdose prevention. So you guys did this in 2014 as a team with other people. I do know there were other folks that, that worked with you on this. Tell me a little bit about Georgia overdose prevention um, mission, what it does. And, and Lori, you alluded to this a little bit with the kits and access, but I think for folks out there, they probably don't even know this organization exists but they may have felt its impact and didn't even realize the connection. Who's got that question? Who wants to answer that one? Um, yeah, I'll take it. We, um, we came together and we are a grassroots group of people that came together back in 2012, really after Zach died um, to try to get a law passed in Georgia. I mean, when Zach died, I, um, you know, knew nothing about harm reduction, had never heard the word harm, heard the words harm reduction, but I, I, I was, through a series of kind of random events, I got a call from someone that did know about harm reduction and they were interested in trying to get a law passed in Georgia. They asked me if I'd be willing to, to, to help and I said I would. And so the four of us who may, some of us knew about harm reduction, I didn't know much of anything, um, didn't know anything about getting a law passed. But um, Lori joined shortly after that with her friend Susan and um, off we went. Wow. And then I know, Lori, you and Robin, did you guys meet when you got together for this this mission? That was the first time you guys got together, right? right so that yes. sort of brought you together. And I know uh, both of you because of the impact, Lori being a nurse and seeing those around her and everything going on. Robin, I know personally, this was an impact in your personal life. It brought you in. Do you guys have, I, I guess, a territory that you cover as a team? Do you cover all of Georgia? How does Georgia overdose prevention work? Is it is it anybody who lives within the state? Do you send outside the state? How does that work with this particular organization? We do not. We are not allowed to send our grant funded kits um, outside of the state of Georgia. We cover the entire state. I've trained 100 people, um, a lot of them people in recovery or people who have lost loved ones to overdose or healthcare. Um, workers. Um, I've trained them to be a trainer um, and to serve their community. So we um, have a website. People can write us on our website um, and say they want a kit. Um, and then I just find the distributor that lives closest to them um, and they go out and meet with them um, and provide the resources they need, or people can also say they want the kits mailed to them. And then Robin and I do all that. We package wow. it all up and get it all in the mail. So so I gave like a little brief overview of what naloxone does. So you talk about these kits, Lori. When you say kits, what do you mean? Like how does naloxone come? Like when you send out these things and I, let's say I request it, which by the way, quick question, do I need a prescription to like ask you for a kit or if I have, and we'll talk about who should have this in your house in a second, who should be worried, but you don't, because of this law, right? It now changes it in Georgia. You don't need a prescription in Georgia. That's correct. You don't need a prescription. Um, you can either contact a harm reduction organization like us or like Atlanta Harm Reduction Coalition and request kits. Um, or you can, you know, go to any Georgia pharmacy um, and request a kit. There's a, something called a standing order. And that basically functions like a prescription for every person in the state of Georgia. So you don't have to have a personal prescription from a physician to go into a pharmacy and buy 
naloxone. The kits, it depends on the product you're getting. There's several different naloxone products, but basically it's naloxone, whether it's a nasal spray or an injectable um, that comes in the kit. You know, there's some literature in there, educational literature. If you've requested fentanyl testing strips, we also put that in there. Um, we usually put a little bracelet that says, don't run, call 911. Um, and, and just um, a card for never use alone and that sort of thing. So, um, but it's just a very small package that comes in the, in your mail. So you mentioned something that I think people need to hear. I can walk into a pharmacy and a standing order say, I want naloxone. And it comes as a nasal spray and an injection that goes in the muscle. Mm -hmm. It may or may not run through my insurance. I think people need to hear that. Sometimes you may have, have to pay out of pocket. You may have to run through your insurance. So depends on what's out there. But you guys also have kits that you give out to folks who can't afford it or get access at a pharmacy, right? That's where your kits come in. Right. Got it. We try to focus on what we consider high risk, the high risk population. Okay. And we would define that as active users, um, people on medication assisted treatment. Um, anyone that has had a period of abstinence uh, through either recovery or incarceration or lack of funds or for whatever, whatever reason, their tolerance level is down. Um, we focus on sex workers. And then we also focus on all the loved ones or people that are regularly with those people because though you can't administer naloxone to yourself. Yeah. You know, we need to make sure the people that will be with those people are available to uh, have naloxone on hand to hopefully save someone's life. Well, and now that's a good point, Robin. I mean, it's as much as this is about the person that's that's using or relapsing or when you talk about medication assistance therapy, those on Suboxone and those yes. kinds of uh, therapies. And you said this earlier, like they've been off for a long time. They've done really well. And then like anything else, you can relapse. Giving it to them is awesome. But if something happens, it's the people in their orbit, in their world that need to know where it's located or need to have their own, right? So- Yes. And we always and we always recommend that those people to make sure that everybody in their orbit knows where it is, how to use it. It's very simple to use, but we just like to make sure that everybody knows where it is because we've had multiple situations where there was naloxone on site. Yeah. But people didn't know it was there oh, and the person gosh. died. Oh, that was that's oh. even at even even at treatment facilities that's happened. So it's so important for people to know where it is, how to use it. And, and, and just be ready to go. You know, time is, time is, it's a very time sensitive issue. Yeah, no, it makes sense. You know, and Lori, I want to talk about how to use it in that time sensitivity. I know as a nurse, you do a little bit above this, but we've talked about the fact it's a shot, it's a nasal spray. Which one is the most common that people get? Do they, is it kind of 50-50 or is one cheaper than the other? How does that work? I mean, for our particular organization right now, we give out more of the nasal spray than yeah. the injection, but um, okay, I have to admit, when you say nasal spray, I think to myself, if I'm passed out on the ground because I've taken too much, how do I sniffle a drug? How do I make it do its thing? You don't. It, it's absorbed. When, okay, so if you see somebody that you think is overdosing, okay, yeah. you may notice the signs and symptoms of overdosing, but basically we want you to not go through a head-to-toe assessment, just determine if this person is unresponsive. That's the key word in all this. 
unresponsiveness. And the way to do that, I, call, I made up this little thing called the three S's. So you're going to shake their shoulder. You're going to shout at them. Hey, wake up, wake up. Are you okay? I'm going to Narcan you. Sometimes that'll snap them right out of it. Um, and the third S is sternal rub, the breastbone, the sternum. So you're going to get your knuckles and you're going to rub really hard up and down their sternum. If they don't react to that, because that causes excruciating pain if you do it hard enough they don't react to the sound of your voice your touch and pain then you're going to give them the lock zone and the way you do it is you simply get them flat on their back on a hard surface got to have them on a hard surface not a soft surface okay because chest compressions don't work on soft surfaces get them on a hard surface tilt their head back key 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 um you tilt their head back because it opens up the airway it also lets you pull the chin down, look in their mouth, and if there's any foreign objects in there, you can remove them, like fentanyl patches that people cheek. They put them inside their cheek to absorb the last little bit of medication. Thanks maybe you've still got a mouthful of pills. Maybe they've got a syringe cap. So you're going to want to clear that out. Um, and then the third reason you've got that head tilted back is the way this nasal spray works is you open up the container, you take it out, it's ready to use, no cap. You just put your finger on the plunger and you put it up a nostril as far as it'll go and you depress the plunger. And the way it works is not from the person magically waking up and going, well, you know, like Afrin. It works by having this fluid, this naloxone sitting inside the the nose and being absorbed by all those little capillaries that are in your nasal tissue. So you got to have that head tilted back so the medicine doesn't run out or, or, you know, then it won't have a chance to work. So is it just Uh, one dose or like on one side? Yeah, it's just one, one dose. You just push this all the way up and it gives one dose up one side of the nostril, or then if you're given more than one dose every two minutes, you can redose. Then you go up the other side and you just go back and forth. So is there, are there two doses in that, Robin? I'm sorry, Lori, or is there just one dose in that? There, and when you get a box of Nalox, of Narcan, that like nasal spray, or yeah. the newer that's out, there's a new one out now called Cluxado. Um, they both come with two two doses, two individual units, but per unit is one dose. The Darken nasal spray is a four milligram product per dose. The Cloxido is eight, so it's double the strength. Um, And then you've got injectables like the good old fashioned vials that we have. Before we go to the injectable though, Mm -hmm. like the nasal spray, I give that one on the side and you said wait two minutes. If they don't respond, like they don't wake up, that's when I should give them another dose on the other side and keep doing that if they don't wake up? Yes, but after you give the dose, that's when you then call 911, okay? Because you want to get this on board first to let it start pulling those opioid molecules off the receptor cells in your central nervous system that affect your breathing. Naloxone blocks those receptors. Those receptors like naloxone better than opioids. So if those receptors are covered with opioids and you get naloxone in their body, the naloxone basically rips those opioids off of those receptor sites. And then they just sit there because Naloxone isn't a respiratory depressant like opioids are. And so that's when a person can start, you know, breathing again. But you're going to call 911, tell them that you are with an unresponsive 
person. Don't say overdose. Because if you say overdose, 911 protocol is that they have to call law enforcement to the scene to secure the scene. You don't want that time wasted. You want someone showing up that you know has naloxone. And EMS is going to have naloxone in Georgia compared to the police. the police not every police department or That's sheriff department now. has it yeah. so yeah and then every two minutes you redose every two minutes right. whether you're given a shot in the arm or the upper outer thighs or whether you're swaying so spray. i know you're getting ready to talk about that shot and the nasal spray the nasal spray actually sounds real easy to, to do like i think if i were nervous i could do that a mm -hmm. little easier um but there's a shot available as well and you held up the little vial which scares the hell out of me because i'm not so sure i'd be able to hold that while i'm shaking trying to pull up drug does it come pre-packaged or is it how does it come that you can there's both okay. so the old-fashioned one the one we've been using since this community naloxone has been using this since 1996 um naloxone has been around since fda approved it in 71 so it's a very safe effective <laughs> research medication. the old-fashioned way is you have these vials you just pop the top the orange top off take your um, intramuscular syringe. You can set this on the table and the syringe, the needles are so long, you can just stab it through the little rubber stopper and then pull the plunger up and get all the liquid into your syringe. But there's a new product. The new product is called Zimhi and it is a preloaded syringe-like unit. It, it's not just a syringe, it's kind of like a little machine. And uh, with that one, it's um, actually, this is 0 0.4 milligrams. The Zim High is five milligrams. So it's 12 and a half times wow, the dosage of this, which harm reduction people like Robin and I are not sure that's a great idea. But anyway, um, and with that unit, you just screw off the cap over the needle, put the needle in the upper outer thigh, depress the plunger until it clicks mm -hmm. for two, you leave it there for two seconds. And then you, you know, remove it, put the safety lock down over the needle and put it back in its case. So there, there Tim, other, to, to kind of respond, to kind of respond, I mean, I think that we have found exactly what you said. So we tend to give out the vials and syringes to healthcare workers and to people who are really comfortable using needles, like active users of, of injectable drugs. Um, we'll give them out to anybody that asks for them, but most people that are not in those two groups prefer to get the nasal. Yeah, I just was thinking when, and I know you guys do a lot of kits, which I love, but I'm thinking if I walked into the pharmacy and I'm in that orbit of someone I love and they tell me the price of some of these products, I may be forced to look at the vials and the syringes because it's the cheapest way to get sure. this. Um, and, you know, Lori said this earlier, this is a muscle. This does, it's not like a little prick. It goes into the muscle. And I know, Lori, you like the upper, the upper arm, right? Yeah, the deltoid where people get vaccines. Yeah, because a lot of times when I've been reading, they're like, stab them in the thigh. Just stab that through the clothes and everything. And you can still stab them through the clothes on the arm too, right? Yeah, it actually absorbs faster out of the deltoid. So I just usually recommend Got the it. deltoid. But you may be given more than one dose. So you may do a deltoid, a deltoid, then you may end up hitting yeah. the thighs too. So It's interesting because working in healthcare, I've seen some people who've been using narcotics for a while and they don't have a lot of muscle left on them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I tell people hit the bigger muscle. That way you don't miss <laughs> like into the leg or the, the arm, but uh, never in the butt, right? You never put it in the butt. Too much, too much fat there. Yeah. Never to put it in the muscle. cheeks, guys. I mean, because I think 
when we were kids, right, when I was sick, I used to get penicillin shots and they always went to the, the cheek. Well, that this doesn't work there. It's got to be the leg or the arm and don't worry about clothes. Stick it right. straight through because time, because right. I think Robin said this time is crucial here, right? Yeah. Time is tissue. You're losing tissue. You're using function. So uh, let's say I no, save my money. I pop in the pharmacy and I pick up naloxone nasal spray because it's, it's not cheap. I mean, but it's not, I mean, you know, and the expiration date says 2025. I have, you know, 2025, I've got two years to keep this around. I never have to use it by the grace of goodness. Everybody's doing great in my family. Do I throw it away at the expiration date? No. <laughs> no. Oh, really? No. This is, that's great. And it, so it, it lasts latest, longer? The latest research shows that it lasts minimally 25 years past that printed expiration date. Most doctors think it never expires. Um, it's still, they've done all sorts of testing. It still meets the, what's called USP, um, United States I think it's pharmacopoeia standards, yeah. um, of which means it's at still at least 90% pure naloxone in, in the in the container. So it's still going to work. So we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reports back to us of reversals people have done from kits we gave out in like 2014 and now it's 2022. Wow. Yeah. So if you've got it, use it. Don't throw mm -hmm. it away. Um, if you feel like you must get rid of it, get it, get it back to us. <laughs> yeah, got it. That's actually a good point. Then that means that, you know, obviously I buy it. If I don't use that, I've got it around. So I can certainly keep that. If one dose of my nasal spray works, I can keep the second dose for something later. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting because as pharmacists, we teach the fact that you give a dose, they wake up. If they're on a long acting narcotic, they may fall back non-responsive again. So don't be afraid to give them another dose and another dose until the EMS get there, right? Right. Naloxone tends to last about 30 to 90 minutes. Yeah. And after that time, the opioids still in the bloodstream usually are able to reattach to those receptors and the person can fall out without taking any more drugs. So yeah. we encourage people to, to try to get your friends to accept medical transport after an overdose, when, when you've made that 911 call and EMS comes up, try to get them to go to the hospital with EMS. But if they won't, then please stay with them. We say six to eight hours, you know, hoping we get two or three hours. So um, yeah. Yeah. I think people are scared of the law too. I mean, they're like, you know, do, do you get into trouble? Like, let's say I do your three S's. This is a stranger. And I just happen to keep naloxone in my bag, which I do. Um, and I give it to the person. Can I get into trouble just for randomly giving naloxone to some person that's unresponsive on the street? Actually, what our law says is that um, any doctor can prescribe it. Any pharmacist can admit, can uh, dispense it. And any, but any resident of Georgia can obtain it and administer it without any risk of civil, criminal, or professional licensing liability for doing so. We absolutely not. You cannot get in trouble. And you, all you have, it just has to be a suspected overdose. The person right. doesn't actually have to be overdosing. Yeah, Cause you don't have any idea, right? I mean, if you find somebody right. responsive and you, you think that might be what's going on. I, right. I, I just sort of think people are like, Oh my God, I don't want to, I don't know what I'm getting into. I, it's kind of right. But you know, it's funny because teaching for the number of years I have now, there are so many students um, at UGA and other places that carry naloxone with them, not necessarily because of themselves, but for their friends. They've gotten access to it. They know what their friends do 
uh, on the weekends and at night. And uh, I, I guess during the day too, here I am being like, you know, it only happens at night. Um, but, you know, I think I like the fact that some people are kind of being preventive for those folks in their world, if that makes sense. Well, we actually try to uh, tell people, you know, we, as I said before, we try to focus our kits on high risk people. Yeah. Um, but we hope that everyone that can will have an naloxone kit because we have so many reports of stranger reversals, people that are just walking along and they see somebody and they they happen to be proactive, they have naloxone with them yeah. and they're able to save someone's life. So, I mean, the odds are probably slim, but boy, I'd sure rather be protected and be able to help than not. You know, it's funny you said that, Robin, because I was reading um, an article before this and it they're increasing the amount of money. Uh, President Biden has decided to increase how much he's putting into the policy task force to look at drugs in the community and also how to get more access to naloxone or Narcan, which is the drug we're talking about. Like he was going to increase spending this year by like $32 billion. It's weighted out in grants and stuff. But the statistic that caught my caught me was uh, our nation is facing 108,000 overdose deaths in just 12 months that we know of. That is one life lost every five minutes around the clock. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just people who are using drugs uh, from the street. Right. It's not people who are, you know, I, I, I want to be really clear here. This is every population, every tax bracket, every ethnicity has been impacted by this. Is that why you guys feel community access is so important? I mean, it seems like a stupid question I'm asking, but I'm just trying to reinforce you guys are helping people from all walks of life on all kinds of drugs. Is that not fair, Robin? Yeah, well, I mean, it's really important for people, specifically for anybody that's getting a prescription for any kind of opiate, Yeah. in my opinion, to get a prescription, uh, to get a, a naloxone kit from your pharmacy at the same time, because for a variety of reasons, but just think of grandpa who has taken his medication and then his grandson comes over and says, pop, did you take your medication? And pop, grandpa doesn't remember. So they give it to him again. And the next thing you know, he's in trouble. Also think of diversion because people who are getting a, an, a, a, an opiate prescription can have that opiate in their, their medicine cabinet and somebody else in their family or elsewhere can divert those drugs and take them in a, in a, a larger quantity resulting in an overdose. So there's so many avenues um, of risk. It's not just street people that are using street drugs. Right. And so it's interesting because I actually read another statistic. You would think all I do is read statistics, but it talked about a lot of times the first narcotic that someone tried was in the medicine cabinet of a relative. Right. And they gained access to it. So it's I, I remember having my wisdom teeth out and being given Vicodin. And I think I used three of them and put the rest of them in the cupboard because my mother goes, you know, we may need these later. We'll put these yeah. away. Um and so it's interesting because that means it was there for my brother who's in the house or whomever. But I guess the other side of that coin that you point out is, let's say I, I had hip surgery and mm -hmm. I start taking Vicodin to go through rehab um, or I didn't get the surgery and my hip hurts all the time. So I take Percocet every day. You're saying that I should have naloxone in my house or at least my relatives should know to have naloxone or where it's at in my house, right? Right. Cancer patients, anybody post-surgical that has pain meds, um, you know, definitely you all should have, there should be naloxone around. And you know what unfortunately happens a lot of times is people are given a script, but then, you know, a lot of things have happened to make it very difficult for chronic pain patients who need medication for their pain to, to be able to get it. And so sometimes they are forced 
to get something off the street. And unfortunately now in Georgia, almost every single type of medication or drug that's on the street has been found to have fentanyl or fentanyl analog in it, almost every single type. So it's not just people who are taking opiates. It may be somebody who thinks they're taking uh, a Valium or, um, you know, some other kind of benzodiazepine or um, any any variety of drugs, Molly, anything out there. Fentanyl has, you know, contaminated, um, you know, been laced or, you know, maybe just contamination in the processing um, has gotten into the, the drug supply big time. So we had somebody recently in Atlanta that, I mean, you know, I, I don't mean this to say this sort of casually, but he was uh, a direct, he was in the movie industry. He snorted cocaine recreationally. It was cut with fentanyl and he overdosed, was taken to the emergency room. It was the middle of COVID. They released him after two hours and didn't keep him. And when he got home, he died. Yeah, you know, it's, so, it's interesting you guys bring this up because I, I've, I've read a lot of stories uh, that are that are stories out there in the media and, best, and vice versa where someone thinks they're taking something that's not an opioid. You know, it's it's a benzodiazepine, it's an upper, it's a downer, it's alcohol and vaping, um, THC. I've read articles where there's been THC that's been cut with a fentanyl. And so... While THC is certainly not in this category and would not be reversed by Narcan, if fentanyls inside of it are inside the cocaine, it can bring somebody back. So it's better to give naloxone regardless of what you think they may have taken, right? Is that That's what we always say. Even if they say, oh, don't give it to that person. They only take meth. There's no way that's going to work. Give it to them anyway, because it won't do anything about the meth, but it will reverse any opiate that's on board. Yeah. And usually, usually those THCs uh, that's coming from law enforcement and that has not been proven, there's a difference in burn temps and that's why fentanyl will not affect somebody if it, if, if it even was in that that's really not a thing to worry about. Um, there, there's legitimate things to worry about out there. Yeah. Kind of worry about everything else though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's the reason I, I'm asking these questions because I think about my dad and my brother, my nephews around and like, not that my nephew is out there doing this or that. It's just, I think to myself, should we put this in the house just in case friends are over, things do happen, people experiment, whatever. Um, and you know, there's so many avenues to this. A friend of mine had had a knee replacement. Yeah. And she's 85 years old. And the doctor gave her a hundred pain pills. Wow. She took three. Yeah. yeah. He had 97 left. And all I said to her was, thank God you don't have a teenager living in your house. Yeah. That's... And not to say that every teenager is going to do that. But like, as you said, frequently, that's the first avenue mm-hmm. that they, they take to and she had 97. I mean, so there's a lot of ways that that things could make the situation better. But, you know, certainly everybody with an with a prescription to an opiate should have Narcan or Naloxone in the house. Okay. And the wonderful thing is, is if you do come upon a scene, maybe you go in the bathroom at Starbucks and there's someone laid out in the bathroom, you don't know that they're necessarily overdosing, but you know, they're unresponsive. <laughs> so you give them Narcan, but it, let's say it turns out they had a heart attack or they're in a diabetic coma. Maybe they're, you know, caramel macchiata, send them over the edge or something. <laughs> um, it's the naloxone's not going to hurt them and you're protected legally from giving it. I mean, it may raise their blood pressure a little bit um, just for that, you know, hour or so, but it is not going to hurt them. So it is fine to give naloxone to people. You like Robin said, you just have to suspect 
that they may be overdosing. Right. And then, of course, knowing that call the 911, put your dosing in and then start CPR and resuscitation if you need to. Um, right. They'll talk you through. They'll talk you through all that. Yeah. Um, and this little box, too, on the Narcan nasal, even when you open up the front of it, which I think some people aren't aware that that happened. There are the instructions right there. Got so it. easy breezy. You don't have to have something, this whole process memorized. And really, if the only thing you do is tilt someone's head back to open up their airway, clear out their mouth, and then either give them the injection or the spray, you probably just saved a life. I mean, right. it's not a complicated, complicated thing. So I think Robin, I also want to ask a little bit. I mean, Zach in your world, Zach was how old when he passed away? Zach was 21. And you knew that he had a history, right? Well, yeah, Zach was, you know, he, I mean, he was a great kid, went to private school, was really smart, played piano, guitar. I mean, everything, you know, just like, uh, but I'm in long-term recovery from alcohol. So Zach had a familial history um, uh, of substance use disorder, more than just myself, but also a long list of relatives. Um, he uh, also had a, 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 a childhood tragedy. I mean, his father, my husband died when Zach was four. So he had, had childhood trauma, very against drugs, 16 years old. I went to a party, kids were using smoking marijuana. He called me, come pick me up, mom, don't wanna get involved. The very next party he went to, the kids were smoking. He thought, well, I'll try it. And at, within three months, Zach had tried every drug there was to try. Mm. And then in, at the time, naloxone wasn't available, right? At the time, at that time, you, you could find naloxone um, in a surgical suite on the surgical floor of a hospital in an emergency room. And if you were lucky on an ambulance, but the police didn't even have it. And frequently they were first on scene. And certainly no individuals could have it. I mean, I mean, there was no way to get it. There, there, it wasn't available, period. And that's really what our law did was it, it made it made this life-saving drug, it put it in the hands of people that need it. Around folks that when something does happen, they're the ones around when it occurs. Yes. And as we said so many times, time is, is the issue. So if you're waiting, and this happened to so many friends of mine's children, they waited for the ambulance to get there and the ambulance either had or didn't have naloxone on board. And by the time the ambulance got there, they had died. Or by the time they got them back to the emergency room, they had died. But now the person on scene can start that process of getting those the, the opioids pulled off the receptors before 911 gets there, before the responders get there to sort of start the process going. So- and maybe, you know, certainly sometimes the person just sits up and takes a breath and they're back. So, uh, you know, it's 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 it really it's invaluable and and lives are being saved all the time. And you're not giving no one's giving the lock sign to themselves. If you can do that, then you don't really need the lock sign. That's so a it's fair point. It's critically important that the people, you know, frequently nearby a high risk person are the ones that, you know, have it. We try to kind of make a little safety bubble around. If someone tells us my child has overdosed twice in the last three months, we, we not only give kits to the parents, if they're divorced, you know, two of them to each one, right. then to the person, we want the person who's at risk to have it. Um, and because we want that person to tell all their friends, maybe people they use with that they have it and how to use it. And then, you know, Maybe, you know, sometimes we get employers that write us um, yeah. who, who know that they have employees that use, you know, so we try to kind of make a little safety net of naloxone around high risk, you know, users. 
I know some of the places here on campus have put it in their uh, residence halls or their dorms or their houses uh, because they're thinking ahead. It's interesting because of my interaction with you guys, I've actually put it at the medical college um, on, and not necessarily because I think there's this huge need here or there, but I want the students to be aware that they have access to it in case something happens on campus and what to do with it. And um, I don't know what you've done is you've created an access point in the state of Georgia for all citizens that live or touch someone that could be using a narcotic. And that, by definition, is a lot of people. Um, and I want to thank you guys so much for all the work you've done and everything getting this through. I think the other thing I, I really want to ask of you, though, for our audience, we've talked about a lot. Can you give me three pearls that you would give your audience um, so they don't forget some of the things we've talked about? if you don't mind. Lori, I'll ask you to go first. Can you give us your three pearls? <laughs> uh, well, I guess uh, Robin actually wrote up the three pearls. My my main pearl is the establish unresponsiveness. Use the word un unresponsive when you call 911. Just remember that word un unresponsive. That's a good that, one. That's critical to getting quick response. Good. Yeah, um, I like that. that. Robin actually like wrote out three pearls. So let's well, that, I mean, my first one is just, you know, if you have anybody in your life that is um, at high risk through either street drugs or through a prescription opiate, op op opioid, um, please keep naloxone on hand. Make sure it's easily available and that everyone is trained on how to use it. Um, and a training video is available on our website so that you can get the full training of how to use naloxone. What's the website? Because wh where would they go? What's the name of it? It's www.georgia, Georgia spelled out, overdoseprevention.org. Okay, and you can Google that too, or I've Googled and it's taken me straight there. You guys have that, and I know you have other uh, things that you put out around the state for people to watch, but that training video, I think Lori is the one that runs us through how to inject, how to yes. do the nasal spray. Yes. And, so if you don't get that here today with our farm cast, pop over there. And watch that. And I think, Lori, you opened that little pouch, that little packet up and showed us the thing. I love those pictures because I don't know how you are, but I can't read that print because I'm old. Mm -hmm. So I don't have time to find my readers if I'm trying to save this person. So I love the pictures as well. And I, that video is there is good. What else did you have, Robin, to remind us of? Well, I, I, you know, I, another part of our law is about don't run, call 911. So I just have don't, call, don't run, call 911. Dead people don't recover. So just please, please, please know that where there's life, there's hope. Um, our mission at Georgia Overdose Prevention is to keep people alive. And you can be part of that, that mission as well. Thank you so much. You guys have do so much for our state. I want to send our thank you to you. For those who don't know this, these ladies are actually our keynote speaker here in Georgia, at UGA when we do an interprofessional event involving nursing physicians, uh, medical students, pharmacy students, and those from social work, the School of Social Work students. And they talk about this and they give their story, but they also do a training. Um, I know they said they have taught 100 people to be trainers, but you don't realize the number of people they've taught how to use naloxone in this state through their videos. It is in the thousands. So I want to say thank you so much for all the work you did, not only for the legislation, but for what you do after the legislation was passed. Thank you so much for joining me here on FarmCast for the Community. Thank you, Tim. Always a pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Tim. Absolutely. And guys, please stay tuned uh, for December's issue coming up. We'll be talking about PrEP, which is reducing the transmission of HIV. We'll be back with you in December. My name is Dr. Tim Brown, uh, representing UGA College of Pharmacy's FarmCast for the community. As always, stay healthy. We'll see you in a month.